Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Millennial in the Middle. Yes, you heard that right. After three years and 100 plus episodes, I've made the decision to sunset this show, to sunset this brand. It served such an important role in my life personally over the last few years uh, when it comes to my personal growth and development, the things I've learned and how I've become more confident in who I am over the last few years. I know that this show has been a big part of that. And I thank all of you who've been a part of this journey uh, from the very beginning in 2020 when the world was you know, in a mess with COVID and the race riots and the election that was taking place and just feeling this need for some common sense, the ability to find some common ground and to just listen to each other and turn down the temperature for a little bit. And doing that, I know, was a huge benefit to my life. And I hope those of you that have listened along the way have gained the same thing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm actually working on a new brand and a new show that I will be rolling out here soon. But I felt like I didn't want to just leave this hanging. Uh, I wanted to kind of close this chapter of my life and what better way to do it than by sharing with you my most recent bucket list experience that I had. Uh, maybe I had a screw loose in my brain. And actually looking back now, I definitely had a screw loose in my brain, but I just completed Running with the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain. And I had a bit of a personal breakthrough in that experience. A lot of people talk about Running with the Bulls as being a life-changing experience, as being something that really changes the way they think about themselves, about life, about fear. And I had a very similar experience. So I want to share that with you today. Uh, I'm going to share with you some of my personal uh, takeaways. And, you know, I honestly went on this trip wondering what I was going to do with this show. Uh, you know, I've been off the air for a couple months. I've been very busy with work and a lot of different business opportunities that uh, I've been all over. And this has kind of taken a backseat. But I didn't. I haven't felt for a while now that the Millennial in the Middle brand has resonated with me anymore. And I think not only resonating with me, but resonating with society and where we're at. I think it was very spot on during that period of time when we started it and for those first couple of years. But I think it's uh, now time to move on and close the book on this. And my experience running with the Bulls really helped me to understand, yeah, it's time and uh, let's, let's do this in the right way. So here's my story. Here's the experience with the running of the bulls. I've shared with you on this podcast some pretty cool experiences of an archaeological dig in Petra, Jordan, uh, hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, visiting the pyramids, and the different things learned along the way there. And no different, uh, this was an experience that I will always remember. And even if this episode is nothing more than a journal that, you know, in two to three generations, I can have my grandkids listening to this experience. Uh, I, I hope I hope that this is something that can benefit you. And heck, that makes me emotional saying that because you know that so much of this show has been built on generational theory, right? And remembering those that came before us and honoring and respecting them and learning from their failures, learning from their successes and doing our best to carry that torch forward. And I think now thinking about the next generations and what that will look like. I hope they look at this time in history and what we do now with respect. And yeah, we're not perfect. We definitely don't do everything right. 
but being able to learn from what we're experiencing now and uh, definitely a little bit of that passing of the torch. So anyway, here's what happened. Uh, for those of you that aren't too familiar with why the running of the bulls even exists or what it's about, let me give you just a little breakdown. Every year, uh, first off, Spain is known for its festivals. There are different festivals throughout the year that happen uh, happen annually in different cities across Spain. Each city or a lot of cities kind of have their uh, festival that is their trademark, that's their signature, you know, like the tomato festival or the festival de abril that's in uh, Valencia or in Seville, I can't remember now, but there's uh, festivals all throughout the, co the country. The biggest festival of the year is the Festival San Fermin, of St. Fermin, uh, it, that happens in Pamplona, Spain, every year. It's an eight-day festival, and during that eight-day, probably the most memorable and notable thing that takes place is the running of the bulls. There are eight runs, so one run that happens every morning throughout the eight days of this festival, and you know the rest of the day is an absolute party, and imagine like Mardi Gras on steroids, really fun time in a really cool old city uh, that's just so rich with culture and people and just a zest for life. And the running of the bulls is really what kicks a lot of that off. Uh, so why in the world would a bunch of people go actually run with the bulls? And it's so funny. I told people I was going out to do this. The first day we were there, we actually watched the race. And then the next day we were running and I, you know, I made a comment on social media. I'm like, today we watch tomorrow we run. And I had so many people messaging me like, wait, wait, you're actually doing that. Why are you doing that? Like, what is wrong with you? Please don't die. Like, don't people die doing that? The answer is yes. So why? Right. Uh, let me illuminate a little bit of understanding here to help you understand that question. First off, running with the bulls and that tradition of running bulls through a city or through a town is a tradition that has been alive in Spain for almost a thousand years. Uh, since the 1200s is the first time they uh, recognized that type of event. And in lots of different cultures, but specifically the Spanish culture, the bull in a lot of ways represents the divine. It is a creature that is so powerful, so majestic, has so much force behind it. And, you know, the two words that they use is noble y bravo, that the bull just represents this characteristic, uh, these characteristics of strength, of determination, of power, of pure brute force will. And people have wanted to be a part of feeling that power, feeling a part of that essence. And uh, you notice that, you know, it's not running from the bulls. It's not running to the bulls. It's running with them. And for hundreds of years now, people have sought this opportunity to experience what it's like to be with these majestic animals at a full sprint, uh, running, running a faster than a four minute mile, uh, and just being a part of that experience. And for me, it was pretty incredible to see that bull and what it represents and what it meant to the people of Spain and now what it means to me. So here's some of the details that may interest you. Uh, the night before each running of the bulls, they take, uh, they take these bulls from, uh, the, the ranch that they are, that they were raised on. And these bulls that are here are 
bred to be the most ferocious, the most mean, the most strong. Most bulls in Spain only live to one to two years old. These bulls are four years old at the time and have honestly, in uh, in bull terms or in animal terms, kind of lived a life of luxury, of being like this prized possession. And every bull that's in the running of the bulls is able to trace its lineage back hundreds and hundreds of years to these uh, majestic beasts for so many years. They are corralled in a spot in the middle of the town starting that night before. And then at 8 a.m., they shoot a rocket off and have these bulls run a half mile course. They run through these old cobblestone streets of Pamplona. Uh, they're blocked off. So it's kind of like penned in the entire time. And then the course ends in the arena. Uh, this arena has, you know, bullfights and it's pretty cool to be in this old school arena without a video board, without a PA system, like just very, very old school and then at that point after they run the course they're corralled and then uh, you know everyone's safe at that point along that half mile race is about two to three thousand people that are honestly putting their lives on the line right to experience this rush and feel uh, a part of this cultural experience that's lasted for hundreds of years and so as this happens, let me give you a few of the details to kind of kind of give you a feel for how this works. On the first day there, so we head into Pamplona, and I should say too, as you've seen on my social media, I went on this trip with uh, Jimmy Rex's group, the We Are The They movement. Uh, it was my first experience going on an adventure trip with this group, 70 guys that are all like-minded, committed to self-development, personal growth, and it was such a cool experience to do this with a group of people and Jimmy doesn't miss. He goes all out and set up a itinerary for us that uh, would have been impossible to create just going out there on, on our own. Uh, and to be able to do that with a group was pretty cool. But on the first day we were there, we watched the running of the bulls from a balcony. So in one of the, in these old towns, as you can imagine, they have all these, uh, you know, apartment buildings that have these balconies that overlook the street. And we had a spot that was like the equivalent of being behind home plate. Uh, there's a spot on the half mile course that is a very sharp turn. It's known for being one of the most dangerous places in the curve, or dangerous places in the run. Uh, they call it Dead Man's Curve or La Curva, right? Which, uh, yeah, that, that isn't, a, isn't a name that inspires a whole lot of confidence. But we went there and watched it. And first off, they, they clean the street up, right? Because there's been an absolute party going on the day before. The streets are a mess. They clean this route up. And the people that are running that day are already on the street ready to go before that gets going. And we watched it that first day. First off, it was amazing how quickly they went past, right? Like it was one of those things, if you blinked, you would miss it. But as I watched it that day, it was like, oh, this is no joke. Uh, I don't know why the thought didn't occur to me. Like, okay, I've had this on my bucket list for years now. 
and why exactly? <laughs> like, why exactly was I drawn to this type of event? Is you're watching these bulls that are, you know, they weigh like three tons. They're running with just so much force. And there's anywhere from six to 12 bulls that'll run uh, on the race. And, and I'm just sitting there going, like, wait, 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 what am I doing here? Right. And uh, watching it gave me a whole different perspective and appreciation for what we were doing. And yeah, definitely let some doubt creep into my mind of, uh, you mean to tell me tomorrow I'm not going to be watching from the safety of this balcony 30 feet above the carnage. Tomorrow I'm going to be on that street with 3,000 other people and these bulls running through hoping to survive, hoping to be okay. And I won't lie with you, uh, the rest of that day, I psyched myself out a little bit. Uh, the night before, I went and walked the course and went through those streets and was visualizing what I was about to do the next day. And I'll be real with you, the emotion that I was feeling was fear. And feeling that like impending, man, tomorrow I'm placing myself in a situation that is dangerous, right? And is something that I, you know, as much as you could prepare, as much as you can go through this, you're in a position that, you know, there is a chance that you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and be a little bit powerless when it comes to these bowls and what happens there. Now, the, the other part of that day that, you know, kind of created this moment is we got a tour of the course uh, from a gentleman named Dennis Clancy. He's kind of a legend when it comes to Pamplona and the running of the bulls. He's an American that hasn't missed a run in the last like 20 years, wrote a book on the topic, really cool guy. But he walked through some of the strategies of how to run. And we walked the whole course going through it. And a few things that you might find interesting. First off, and like the things that you definitely shouldn't do. One, they didn't want you to be close to the wall. Because if you're close to the wall, kind of hiding off to the side, that's where you really can be in a bad situation if you get pinned or in a spot where you get stuck up against a wall with a mass of people as well and a bull comes into you. You don't have as much control of the situation. And man, what a good lesson for life there of, you know, like I had some friends as I, as I was posting this, in fact, my little sister, she was like, just hide on the side, like hide behind a, hide behind in a doorway or something. And the, uh, and Dennis tells us, he's like, the worst thing you can do is hide. The worst thing you can do is try to put yourself up against the wall because you put yourself in potentially the most vulnerable situation. Like if you want to be in the safest spot, you've got to be on the course, you've got to be running, and you've got to trust your own instincts and trust that you can handle the situation as it's brought to you uh, in that moment. And so, you know, what a good life lesson there of if you're just sitting in a position hiding and not putting yourself out there, like that's really when you're at the most risk. Second no-no was that if you fall, don't get back up, right? So they basically tell you that like, if you go down, which you probably will go down, of our 70 guys, if I were to take a poll, probably a third of us fell at some point, right? Didn't stay upright on our feet the entire time. So what happens when you fall, make yourself as small as possible, 
cover your face and basically get in the fetal position, right? And the bulls will jump over you potentially if you're on the ground that way. And worst case scenario, they step on you. But that is a, while that's not going to feel good, it's a better alternative than you trying to stand up in front of a bull. And in fact, you know, this really made me excited as he told this story, but he's like the last American that died with the running of the bulls. I think it was back in like 1996 or something like that. Uh, was because he fell on the course, tripped over someone else and then went to stand up right as a bull was passing through and the extremely sharp horn on a bull went directly through his, uh, stomach and abdomen and he died on the spot. So I have this very vivid image in my mind that he has drawn for me of, you know, uh, probably a clueless American uh, falling down, trying to get back up and actually making the, you know, the worst mistake possible, not protecting himself and just being on the receiving end of a charging bull, right? So like, okay, that's noted. And then they tell you like, okay, if you were to think of the, if you think of it as like an eight lane race, Stay away from lanes one and two and seven and eight. Stay away from those sides. And unless you really want to be crazy, which they didn't recommend on your first run and I wasn't interested in, don't be in lane four or five. Don't be in the middle. Like try to be in that lane three or lane six. Uh, A part of the action there, not having the chance to run up against a wall, but giving you the best shot at, uh, you know, getting through it successfully. The other thing they then teach you is that one of the big mistakes people make is that they run too early. So as you can imagine, when when the bulls, like when you hear that they're on their way or they're coming, a lot of people start running in sheer terror, in sheer panic, right? And we were taught that a lot of people, they run too early. And that actually creates these pileups and a lot of people tripping over each other. And they've actually fallen uh, or gotten stuck in a mass of people before the bulls even make it to them and therefore put themselves in some serious danger there as well. So the strategy, if you can picture this for those of you that are listening, is almost to stand like sideways with your head on a swivel, looking forward for people and looking back for the bulls. And when you get to the point where you can either see the bulls or you know there's like a there's a camera on a line that is uh, tracking the bull and it stays pretty, or tracking all of the bulls videoing the event, but it stays pretty even with the first bull. And so when you see that camera move to about 10 to 20 feet from where you're at, that's when you start running. But for several seconds before that point, people are running past you and you kind of have to hold the line. So it's kind of this mindset of like, you know, hold, hold, steady, steady. All these people are running past and all you want to do is run with them too. But you need to stand your ground, wait to that time and then start running when they get closer to you. And in theory, the longer you can hold off not running like that, the more room you free up for yourself in front of you. So if you think through that, right, all these people are running, the more people that get running past you, now your first three to four or five steps once you start running in theory are more clear you have fewer obstacles than you would have if you ran with the masses talk about another great life lesson right how people panic 
They run too early. They don't wait for that right timing and see when that's in place. And, uh, you know, that impatience a lot of times can be people's downfall. But being strong enough to, as others are panicking or as others are running in sheer terror, trusting in your game plan, knowing what you're doing, holding the line, and going when it's time to go. So all of that sounds great. It, you know, in words, in theory, it's a great plan. I feel like I have the best strategy ever, but there's still so much uncertainty. There's still the fact that who knows where those bulls are going to be, or if a bull gets separated from the herd and starts picking people off and they decide that they're, you know, they're into blonde guys that day or something like taking out blonde Americans. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And so sure enough, the day of the run comes that we're planning on running and probably the most tense and the scariest moment of the race is the lead up to it. You had to get out on the course at about 6.30, 6.45 a.m. and the bulls weren't going to be released until 8 a.m. So as you can imagine, you're now penned up on the street with thousands of other people that are about to do the same thing, and you can cut the tension in the air with a knife. There's this anxious anticipation that everyone can feel, and you kind of get this chance of watching others, and as you're having different conversations, everyone handles that anticipation, that anxiety, that fear a little bit differently, right? And some people get really quiet. Some people won't stop talking. And you create this moment where everyone knows what's coming, but no one really wants to talk about it either. Uh, this might sound exaggerative, but I will say this is probably the closest I'll come into my life of having the feeling of what it's like to go into battle, knowing that you don't really know what's about to happen, that you are putting yourself at risk, that it is going to be dangerous. And the people that are around you are going into that same storm, right? Going into that same threat. We, we compared it actually as we were out there of like having just, man, the slightest glimpse at, you know, the, the men that stormed the beaches of Normandy at D-Day, like, being on those boats, knowing what was waiting for you and knowing that, man, you'd been trained, you'd practiced, but I hope we're okay. And even more importantly, I hope everyone else around me and these you know, brothers that I'm heading into battle with all survive and are okay as well. I know that sounds super exaggerative, but maybe just a small, small feeling of that. Then at about 7.45, so uh, for that hour, they keep almost everyone at the start of the course, so then the rest of the course, they can clean up, clear off, make sure is totally set. There are spectators throughout the whole course that are lining and watching on the outside of these fences, but once you're in, you're in. There's no getting out, and there's no jumping in midway, right? Like, it's very heavy security. Everything's made sure, you know, is uh, very watched over. And then at about 7.45, they then open the whole course and you can go wherever you want on the course, uh, wherever you've decided to run. Uh, there are certain spots that are a little more treacherous than others. And we knew that we were going to be running at about the halfway mark of this 0.5 mile course. And so then you get out to that spot 
and the anticipation and the anxiety just continues to be, you know, to raise a notch one after another, after another, you can hear it's loud. The excitement of both the people that are watching and the spectators that are watching from a place of safety. And then the guys on the ground, guys and girls on the ground that are feeling, man, this is about to happen. And then at eight o'clock on the dot, they shoot off this rocket that reverberates throughout the city. You can hear it everywhere. And that moment is a, be careful not to shit your pants moment, right? Like, I don't have a better way to put that because now you know that those bulls are out and where we're standing on that course, they're going to be there in 60 seconds, right? And it's not like you're watching the, jumbotron of what's happening at the first part of the race. You're just standing in the middle of the street with thousands of other people and you can start to hear the screams and the like, man, you know, they're coming. And so all of a sudden then we're on this straightaway. They turn around dead man's corner during that spot. And we're in a position where now we're ready to, you know, preparing to run. And all of a sudden the first thing you see is hundreds of people with panic running exactly like we were taught, right? And so you don't see any bulls. You just see a mass of people running to you, panicking in pure terror. And what you have to do is, you know, stay in that sideways spot, hold, hold, steady, steady, steady. Oh shit, there's a bull, right? Like that's the order that it goes in. And before you know it, those bulls are on top of you. I turned to run. Now, specifically for me in my race, here's what happened. I made it a total of about two steps before someone falls down in front of me. I get pushed behind. I go head over heels on the ground and find myself at the bottom of a dog pile of humans of probably six to eight people. I was upright for like the first and second bowl as they were probably on me and then was on the ground for, you know, probably bowls three through seven or eight. And I did exactly as I was taught. I got myself in the fetal position. I covered my face. I stayed down, honestly, in this helpless position of not knowing if a bull was about to step on me, jump over me, uh, like who, who knows what was about to happen. And rather than feeling like I was in charge, like I had some control over my destiny, I spent the time as those the majority of the bulls ran past on the ground, in the fetal position, just hoping I didn't die. That's a pretty helpless feeling. And honestly, it happens so fast that you don't even really have the chance to think about it. It's not like you made that decision. It was, boom, you see the bull, turn to run, I fall, six people are on top of me, and I'm covering my head, you know, just hoping that I make it out alive. Now, I'll come back to this thought here in just a second, but to finish the finish the run, uh, we then get up. There were a couple bulls left, so I, I do luckily have one picture of me upright as a bull <laughs> runs past, uh, and then you, we basically run after the bulls into the arena, and you run into the arena that is full of people now cheering, and all the people that start filing into this arena have just successfully completed the running of the bulls. And that was probably the most exhilarating moment of the whole experience. 
And again, it was because of that band of brothers that I was with or that you were, you know, forced to be with just by those that were around you as you were running. And it was so cool in my case, as we ran with 70 other guys that I'd had the chance to get to know a lot of them over the, you know, the week prior on this trip where you kind of look around and as you got to the arena, there were so many familiar faces and honestly embracing each other, like giving each other these hugs of just pure exhilaration of like, man, you're okay. Like, I'm okay. Are we all good? Like, is everyone all right? And, you know, luckily of our 70 guys that ran the race, everyone was safe. We found out later on that the specific run we were a part of, again, there's eight runs a year, was the fastest the Bulls had run it in, uh, in like, 10 years. So it was like 80 runs that it was the fastest they had run it at the pace the Bulls were at. And a lot of the locals said it was the most violent run they had seen in years, which is exactly what you want to hear, right? I think there were like 11 or 12 people that were taken off in stretchers just from that two minute and 28 second run or whatever it was. And you look around and there is this moment of like, I'm okay. We did it. Like you're okay. Giving each other those hugs and being like, man, we made it through that moment. And you leave, I mean, it all happens so fast and everyone's now talking to each other. Like you're trying to piece together what exactly happened because you're not sure, right? You're like, I don't know. I know I saw that bull and then I know Nick was on top of me and then Alec, you helped me get up. And like, like you're all trying to piece together the war story because you're not quite sure what happened because it happened so fast. Uh, and of course the tale always, I'm sure we'll get a little taller the older I get. That's why I'm recording this right after it happens. So, you know, someone can fact check me in 10 years. If in 10 years, I'm telling you like I rode the bull and grabbed the horns. You're going to be like, no, no, no. You said in that podcast a week after that you were on the ground in the fetal position. So there's the fact check right there. And after the race or after the run was over, there's an official video, basically the aerial camera that shows the whole race and going back and watching it was actually one of the scariest things for me and realizing how lucky we were and specifically I was. Um, at the part I was running on the race, uh, you go back and watch this one bowl about halfway through just decides to go on a on a tear and starts picking people off one by one. There's one gentleman that actually got got pushed up in the air, is like fully parallel to the ground above the bowl, and then gets bucked up underneath it uh, and like fully flips on his side. He broke a few ribs. Like luckily he was living, but he was in the hospital in critical condition for several days. And as I went back and watched that part of the race, that occurred on the exact same line. So I told you about the lanes that we were running in. I was lane, running in lane three on the left side. That happened right in lane three, legitimately about four seconds before I came into the view of the camera. And just having this real moment of like, man, that could have been me. I could have been that guy on the purple shirt that got flipped upside down and the several others before him that, you know, so many people ran into the bulls there that it actually led the bulls to trip over each other as the bulls fell down. 
then the lead bulls would change because those bulls got tripped up and those few bulls were causing the most havoc, then got in line with the rest of the herd and followed them down more of the middle of the course. And all of that happened within about 20, 30, 40 feet of where exactly where I was. And as I watched that video, uh, I was able to find myself in one of the one of the spots uh, on the camera, and the still image and the screenshot I was able to take was of me in the fetal position, turned the other way, covering my face about four or five feet from where the bulls were actually running to their uh, like I'm to their left, and they were running more down the middle of the course. And I'll be real with you. Here's now where I get pretty vulnerable. Um, that picture haunted me because I'm like, wait, yeah, I survived running with the bulls. It was an incredible experience. I checked it off my bucket list. Like, this is great. But the proof I have of that experience is me on the ground, hiding my face, turned the other way, just hoping that I don't die. And that didn't sit very well with me, to be honest. I felt a little unsatisfied with that experience. Like I wanted this, you know, epic moment of running side by side with them and like being a part of this moment of jubilation. But instead, I had this ultra lame picture of me on the ground being obedient and doing what I was told of not getting back up and covering my face to make sure I didn't get gored by the next bull to come across. And while there was, you know, still pride in having accomplished that, having finishing, finished that, it didn't feel like enough. A couple days later, the last day of the trip, we actually had the chance in Madrid to see a professional flamenco show. I had no idea what flamenco was before this trip. And now you're like, wait, 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 this is going from you like being all masculine, running with the bulls, and now you're watching a flamenco show and you're telling me the flamenco show is where you had the breakthrough? Yes, dorky as it may sound, that's what happened. Two nights later, we're sitting watching this group and it, it was it, it was one of the best flamenco groups in the whole country, like incredible uh, performance. I've seen a lot of live performances and this was my favorite. There, there's nothing like what I could expect, like I could, you know, compare this experience to. It was just five performers. Uh, a lot of the songs they did just like acapella with stomping and clapping being the beat uh, and the rest of it with just one single guitar and then singing and dancing and stomping and clapping in a way that it was just this, uh, this cultural experience that was just immersive. Like it brought you in in such a way. It was so intense. It was so real. And the word that I would use to describe their performance was passion. It was like we were watching this group that was putting on a private show for our group of 70. And every ounce of their energy, of their spirit, of their passion, of their soul was put into this, this show. And we were able to watch that and experience that. And I just knew that like they gave absolutely everything to that. And while watching that show, that's when I had my breakthrough. That's when I had my realization. And it was this, you know, Connor, you've lived a lot of your life very careful, cautious, calculated, like not putting yourself in a position that 
you know, you could make a fatal mistake or get hurt. Like, how do you ski down the hill in a way that you're going to make sure you stay on your skis the entire time? Like, that's often been how I've lived my life. And then the thought that came to my head was, dude, if you can do that and survive, like if you can look those bulls in the eyes and do that and everything's okay, what in the real world is actually that scary? What is there to be afraid of? Is there really anything to fear? And the answer was like, no. No mistake is so big. So rather than being so careful, so cautious, so calculated, just run. Just run. Don't second guess everything you do. Don't overthink it all. Know who you are. Be solid in your game plan, your strategy, your vision for life and the kind of person you want to be and just go. Go all out. Pour every ounce of energy into this life because we only get one of them and they happen pretty darn fast. So for me personally, it wasn't the exhilarating fact of running with the bulls that is what I will remember. It's the moment in the fetal position and that picture of saying, man, that's an allegory of one way to live your life. Scared, not acting upon life, but like being acted upon. That victim mentality, just hoping for the best, hoping nothing bad comes to you and being paralyzed in fear on the ground as that takes place and a victory is just survival. Or... Do you run? Do you go for it? Do you live with passion? Do you go full pedal to the metal, everything on the line, 110% and just run? And that was my takeaway. And then it all of a sudden hit me about this show. You know, this show started in a pretty turbulent time in 2020. And I felt like there were voices that needed to be heard it, that were rational, that were commonsensical, trying to find the middle. And so many good lessons that I think we've learned from this show, the power of empathy, the power of active listening, the power of compromise, the feeling and the belief that we all have way more in common than we are different and trying to find where those areas are and just love each other and respect each other for who we authentically are. All of those things I want to take with me. And I hope you do too. But this realization of, man, don't just be in the middle because you think that's what's safe. I thought about it and I'm like, man, I, I was a voice to respond to almost everything that happened for a whole year, uh, you know, that were very controversial topics. And I had people on both sides of the aisle that were listening to me and I appreciate and respect that so much. But I went that whole time with a lot of people not even knowing where I stood. I stayed neutral in a lot of those conversations, which again, it was that time of life. It was the right thing to do, I think, for what this show stood for, but no more. I think my takeaway is like, Connor, take a stand. Take that time to figure out who you are, what you care about, what you believe in, what matters most to you. And then once you figure that out, just run. Life's too short to spend it in the middle. Life's too short to spend it undecided or neutral. Go for it. And what do you have to lose?
And if you do make a mistake, there's no mistake that's fatal. You fall down and, you know, maybe after the bowl runs fast, you get back up and you keep running. And so that is what's next for me. Uh, I'm going to kind of commit to living a life that's more passion filled, that's more willing to take a stand, to go for it, to just be the kind of person that I feel I want to be. And I know this show has played a huge role in helping me answer some of those big questions. Uh, I also hope that it has led to you thinking through questions that you maybe wouldn't have asked yourself before, uh, putting that critical thinking to work and showing empathy and respect for others along the way, always as you do it. You never know who you're going to learn from. You never know what's going to happen in your life that that's mo- that that is that moment that you'll you know be like man that's when I that's when I flipped the switch that's the moment that now moving forward nothing will ever be the same because I went through that I, I hope you have those experiences and you take the time to sit in them to reflect on them to learn from them and then to act on them and do something different because of what you learn and because of the kind of person that you want to be. All right, enough of the sappy stuff. I may be retiring this show and retiring this brand, but by no means am I retiring. Uh, I'll be coming back with new episodes, a new show. I'm going to go with like a completely new feel here in the next little bit. I personally am back speaking in my career, which man, I have missed. I started this show in 2020 when obviously like speaking engagements and being in front of people really took a, uh, you know, came to a screeching halt. And so this has been an outlet for me to do that. And now I'm back in front of crowds again and traveling and really enjoy that. But uh, you better believe podcasting and all of this will still very much be a part of my life. And, uh, we built some pretty cool things thanks to this show. Uh, as I, you know, started recording this show in my parents' basement on an iPhone, doing both the sound and video, and now I'm recording this episode in a studio that we have built out with my partner Landon, by the way, in a 7,000 square foot space with more equipment than I know what to do with. None of it I know how to work, but it's pretty cool how you know a small decision to start a podcast all of the things it can lead to just a few years later. And for that, I will forever be grateful and especially grateful for you, for your support, all the messages and things that you've shared along the way. Thank you. And now for the final time, clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Stay tuned. We'll see you soon.